The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. FreshBooks has created a super intuitive tool that makes creating and sending invoices ridiculously easy. You can use FreshBooks to create and send invoices in about 30 seconds. There's no formatting and no formulas, just really simple, clean, professional-looking invoices. You can add your logo and color scheme so that your invoices reflect your brand. When you email a client an invoice, FreshBooks can show you whether they've seen it, which puts an end to the guessing games. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project. If waiting for a client checks in the mail is slowing down your cash flow with literally two clicks, you can set yourself up to receive payments online. Oh, and your clients will love paying by credit card straight from their invoice. FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to my listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com backslash you and enter you in the how did you hear about a section. Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 25th, and I am recording on the road today. I am in sunny, or shall I say, very hot um, Southern California today. Um, I had some time, so last night I went through my inbox. Um, If you want to email me questions to be answered on the podcast, I know sometimes people just want to write me. Um, The inbox is for the podcast. It is mytaughtyou at gmail.com. So I went through um, some of the questions that I have. I have a lot, so um, please don't. Just be, if you've emailed me and I haven't responded, sometimes I am looking for groupings of questions that go together. So you can always do that, mytaughtyou at gmail.com. I have three questions today um, that I think that you'll be into. Uh, the first one is is a comparison one that I find to be interesting and something that um, people have probably dealt with quite a bit. Um, if you haven't um, listened, I think two podcasts ago, I announced that I am with child. So I am having a child. Um, so I am drinking water today. I'm supposed to have a gallon of fluid a day. So if I pause for water, you know what it is. Um, but without further ado, let's get into this. Okay. She says, hi, my league. My friends and I motivate and uplift each other. We're constantly talking about our goals. Most times I move in silence and don't announce my every move and accomplishments. How do I deal with my friend who announces every little thing? She tells me that she was able to save this much or she paid this much on her credit card or student loan and even that she bought this or that. My texts have become generic. Congratulations. Oh, that's great. Nice. I'm happy for her. I am. Should I just continue with my generic and one word responses? I have one more question. I'm constantly trying not to compare myself to my friends who are very successful businesswomen. As you can see, they run to me to express their happiness regarding accomplishments, but also for advice. I didn't come for much and definitely had to pay for my education and my experiences are way different than theirs. I have a friend who has had her family support with everything that she does. She lives at home and doesn't pay rent. Her mom still does her laundry. 
She's also looking for her dream job. Recently, she got an offer and asked me to edit her proposal for a raise in the salary. She was asking for more than $60,000. I make below $60,000 and couldn't help but think, wow, here come the comparisons. What do I do in this situation? I edited her letter. She didn't get the raise, but instead got a $5,000 sign-on bonus. I was so happy for her. I'm going at my own pace in terms of my career at this point. If I didn't have friends who didn't let me know their every move, maybe I'd be good and completely focused on myself. My friends don't know how they make me feel, and I don't want to tell them and make them feel like they can't tell me anything. What should I do? I feel like I'm contradicting myself. I don't want to know everything, but I still want to be that friend they feel they can talk to and tell things to, but not everything. Please advise. Okay. So I just want to start off by saying that um, how you feel is absolutely normal and I totally get it. Um, I've had moments when I've looked at my peers and just been like, sheesh, or wow, you know, they're out, they're out here hanging with Barack and Michelle Obama. I remember, you know, over the term that we had Michelle and Barack and oh, how we missed them. Um, I would see various friends constantly at the White House and I was just like, are are Michelle and Barack just never going to call me? Um, And they never did. I couldn't even believe I actually applied to go to I think it was the very last sort of South by South lawn thing that they did and I didn't get to go. Um, I see friends and peers going to Oprah's house or in at events that she does and you're just like wow these people are on tv or they're on stage um and every now and then a twinge of jealousy hits my doorstep you know I I think you know why wasn't I picked why haven't I been recognized in that way and then very quickly and I'm very serious about this very quickly I remind myself that my path is my path and my time is my time you know I've been on both sides of the fence for um, a long time I dealt with people implying or even or even flat out saying that they felt they deserved to be more successful than me um, that would really hurt my feelings at times and so of course I would talk to my therapist about it and I'll never forget the day my therapist told me that envy and jealousy are normal and healthy emotions I was just sitting there like mm, what you know, I just, I couldn't believe it. And we went on to discuss my personal topic. Um, but to give you some context for this podcast, I'll refer to some clips from a Psychology Today article titled, Envy Can Be Good For You. So it says, both jealousy and envy are natural emotions. Small amounts of jealousy can actually inspire attentive actions. Envy can motivate action. Both emotions come from primal instincts that serve to protect ourselves, our family, and our possessions. According to David Straker, author of Changing Minds, jealousy is about loss. When you perceive someone has taken something that you are emotionally attached to or is threatening to do this, you react by feeling hurt and angry. If the person is a friend, the sense of betrayal adds fuel to your wrath. Envy, on the other hand, is about coveting something you don't have. The person you envy has what you want. The more unfair you think the situation is, the more you will find ways to demean the person you envy. Then instead of working to achieve more, 
you justify the reasons for staying in an inferior situation. So let's get back to the question. I always, I went back through your question and sometimes when people write me these questions, I bold things that stick out to me. I underline things um, that I want to circle back to and then I make red what I think the heart of the question is. So I'm going to back it up. And I always crack up when people say they quote unquote move in silence. It's like I get it, but I don't because most times it's a cover up for the fact that there isn't much movement going on. You know, many times our moves end up speaking for themselves. And to give you an example, I'm featured in Essence Magazine this month as a founder to watch. I haven't been able to find it, but I just have seen people tagging me in it. Um, That happened without me having to say anything or um, the first time I've ever shared this information is right here on this podcast. And so my actions will make the noise noise for me. Um, I also don't mind sharing my accomplishments for no other reason than I think it is important for young girls that look like me and grew up like me to know that with hard work they too can do and have all of this now that is something when you said that it concerned me because a lot of people are like you know I'm moving in silence and it's like yeah it's easy to move in silence when there's nothing to show and if you don't have anything to show that's okay but what we don't want to do is get upset with other people because maybe they do have some things to show and remember when I said my time is my time. Maybe it's not your time. You are in the sowing stage of life versus the reaping stage. And that's okay too. So I also have to tell you that I took issue with you using the word little to describe your friend's accomplishments. She has to announce every little thing. I feel like it's a dig at what she's been able to do um, and an unhealthy reaction to your emotions you know saving is huge paying off debt is huge and let's not begin to like belittle our friends it's just there's power in words and how we think and what we say and it's like being able to diminish her things by calling them little makes us feel better and we don't want to do that um I also raised a brow when you said they run to you to express their accomplishments or ask for advice it feels like an an exaggeration maybe it is maybe it's not but I just picked that up as a little reaction that was coming through a little negative reaction, you know, like, Oh, you know, they always run into me want to tell me everything. Um, and maybe that's not it. It's just like, they value you. They care about you. They want to share with you, um, versus them running to you. Um, but let's get down to what I believe to be the anchor. Like what is really holding this whole letter together? When you said I didn't come from much, and definitely had to pay for my education and my experiences are way different than theirs. That's not their fault. This is simply the hand that you were dealt, right? What you had to go through paying for your education and your experiences being different from theirs is not the fault of your friends. So you cannot be upset with them because your life is different. So I'm going to give you, tell you a story. I have a really close friend that I've actually had on this podcast. She's several years younger than me, and I'll never forget the time she invited me to her mother's house for her birthday dinner. Um, And I want to say she's like five years younger than me. So at the time, I was like maybe 20, I'll say seven tops. So this is a 22, 23-year-old tops girl. And I walk into her mother's house and I'm thinking like, you know, I've been to birthday dinners in my twenties and you go and it's like, 
um, just somebody's regular house, you know, I'm thinking auntie and mama are going to be cooking in the kitchen and I get there and her mom's house is like a museum. They had like wait staff. So I walk in, there was like a lady with this silver platter of champagne and it was like voob. Okay. I mean, I'm 20 something and the, someone is serving me voob at someone, someone's house for a birthday party. Um, and all of like the dinner, there were caterers there. Her mom wasn't even there. It turned out there were caterers. Um, I mean, this was the most elegant thing I had ever seen in my, in my life at the time. And keep in mind, I would notice things about my friend, like she wore Chanel flats, you know, and I'm like, dang, who, I I, I didn't even know how much Chanel flats cost. I, I had never even been in a store that sold Chanel things. You know, I would notice that she had an American Express credit card, you know, then she would tell me that her mom had given it to her and she whip it out to pay for things. I noticed this stuff, but I never let these things stop me from doing what I needed to do. And these things never have had an impact on our friendship. Like she probably doesn't even know that I noticed these things or that it meant anything because they were just things that, like you said, I didn't come up like that. You know, there wasn't, there would be no birthday dinner for me that would happen like that. And so I said, how awesome were her parents for setting her up like that? But guess what my lack of privilege taught me? My lack of privilege taught me to rely solely on myself for advancement in this world. I'm never looking for any handouts. I'm totally fine with starting in the very back and working my ass off to get to the front. I make sure I read all of the information. I always make sure I have my keys or whatever else I need because I know that I cannot lock myself out of the house. I don't have anyone to help me. No one can help me get in my car. I'm thorough. I double and chip triple check things. This has made me an astute businesswoman. And this is what I got by having lack of privilege. You know what else it taught me? It taught me to be incredibly polite. I am the queen of thank you very much. And that was incredibly kind. I really appreciate this. You know why? Because I've always gotten just a little more in life by being that way. I've gotten the upgrade or the introduction or whatever push it is that I needed because I had no one to rely on. It taught me to take more risks because what did I really have to lose? I've long believed that the rewards that I've received today are less about the work and more about the risks that I've been willing to take along the way. It taught me to be more discerning of people's bull. My radar is so strong. You get that way when you've been constantly let down or you felt lied to. I trust action and that has taken me a long way. You have to learn to look at the things you didn't have growing up and learn to be grateful for the lessons they have given you. I dated someone who literally had everything, seemingly perfect family, college was paid for, everything was done for him. And because of that, he lacked many of the things needed to truly succeed in this world. Just because someone grew up differently than you and with more privilege than you doesn't guarantee that they're going to have an ultimate positive income, positive outcome, I'm sorry, or happy ending. Recognize that jealous thoughts are not the same thing as reality. So what do you do now? Now you learn to celebrate your journey. Instead of moving in silence, get things done. And if you want to say, 
all of every little thing that you've done, you've got to learn to feel comfortable with that and stop making it seem like these things are small because I'm sure you're doing some big things, your friends are doing big things, and it's okay to celebrate ourselves and our friends. If you want to make more money in 2018, start setting yourself up to make that a reality. Have a talk with your boss, research the field and see what's needed to advance, get a mentor. You know, instead of looking at what your friends are doing, focus on what you need to be doing. Manage your feelings of jealousy. You can control, you can't control the feeling, but you can control how you deal with it. When you feel it coming on, dive directly into it. Ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Channel that energy into something for you. Do something for yourself to advance when you're feeling behind. Think about what you can learn from your friends' successes, right? Should you now negotiate your salary like your friend just taught you to? Um, How did your other friend manage to save so much money? Ask her what she did. What was her plan? Who does she bank with? Do they have better rates? What was her plan on paying off her student loan? Did maybe she subsidize it or whatever the heck it's called, but through who figure it out, like take advantage of this. You're surrounded by hitters. You are actually in the most winning position of this friend group. If you can't learn from or be inspired by the people you're spending time with, you're in the wrong group. Lastly, stop being so hard on yourself. You're doing a good job. And your friends are around you to keep you reminded that you can always be doing better. And for that, you should be grateful. They aren't encouraging you to do drugs or break the law. They're being living examples of what you can accomplish and more. Hug them, thank them, be grateful for them, redirect the energy and get in the game. Okay, that's all I got. If you have any comments on that one, please don't hesitate to Instagram me, tweet me. I'm at my leak everywhere. Um, and I have the Facebook group, facebook.com backslash my taught you. Okay. Next question. I just listened to your podcast with Kalana Barfield. If you guys haven't listened to that one, I would encourage you to get up on it. It is really good. Um, during the podcast, you both mentioned that you prefer connections to happen organically. I am a recent law school graduate and enjoy networking events. When I attend events, when I attend events and meet people who tell me to keep in touch, I get very nervous composing follow-up emails. I'm always worried that I will sound too comfortable or too formal. Do you have any advice on how to word a follow-up email or how to reach out to someone working in my field that I admire but haven't met in person? I just noticed that part of the question. I should answer that too. Thank you for taking the time to answer my question. So if someone says keep in touch, They're inviting you to call or email them. Um, Since you're doing what I'm guessing is professional networking, you always want to stay professional. Stay away from the hey girls and address them by their first name unless, unless they are truly an elder. Let them know that it was great meeting or speaking with them. And you always want to refresh their memory on the event. So it always cracks me up when people are like, hey, Malik, it was so good meeting you last week. It's like, do you know how many things I did last week? Where did I meet you? Um, you know, kind of like give a refresher of what we discussed. It was so great last week meeting you at the such and such event. Um, you know, I'll never forget our conversation about dot, dot, dot. Um, invite them to meet you at a future event that maybe 
you think they could benefit from. So if you're going to something next week that maybe you think they'd like, you can just say, hey, I'm not sure if you knew about the such and such event, but I'll be there and I'd love it, you know, love it if you'd like to attend. I have an extra ticket. I can get your name on the list, something like that. Um, If you don't have anything coming up, suggest meeting for lunch or coffee in the coming weeks. Um, Something that I do and that you could always be doing is start working on um, cool, like a list of cool places to invite people to, right? So if you, if you keep up with the paper, if you keep up with like things, if you see a new coffee shop opening, pop inside, have a tea or two so that you can say, Hey, I'm not sure if you noticed the new coffee shop that opened up on seventh and such and such, but they've got a really great matcha tea. I've never had matcha, but everybody loves it. I don't even know if it's tea, but you get what I'm saying. Um, There's this new cool nitro coffee shop on XYZ Street. Would you like to meet there during the week of the 21st? You want to try not to be too loose on things like hope to see you again soon um, because that gives people the ultimate out. They're never going to like follow up with you or keep in touch with you because they it's not that serious. You want something from them. They may not necessarily want something from you. So you want to make plans or try to now. To go back to the part of your question that I missed when I read it last night, you were asking about how to reach out to someone in your field that you admire but haven't met in person. So I I don't know. Like, I feel like that one is a tricky one because you could always try a cold email, right? Like you could just you could just reach out via email, but I really don't like and I don't like to get to know people like that. I really don't. So If there's somebody that I want to get to know, I try to attend things that I think that they're going to be at so that I get a chance to bump into them at least one or two or maybe even three times because I am not, I don't like coming off like Queen Thirsty. I think people who appear too thirsty to get to know somebody right away doesn't have enough of their own things going on, right? It's like, what are you doing that you're so free all the time that you have nothing but time to constantly meet me, right? So I think I talked about this in several podcasts ago. It might even be, you may want to go back to some of my very first podcasts um, where I talk about how I prefer to like bump into someone a couple times before I try to like sink my teeth into them, if you will, right? So if I go to an event and I'll see the person And sometimes I may or may not even say anything or even introduce myself is just making sure that I make eye contact with that person. Sometimes to kind of sort of like disarm people, they need to see you in like rooms or settings that they're comfortable with. So it's like, okay, this person has seen me one time. The second time that I see them, I may say, Oh, hey there. Um, I remembered you at the last event. My name's Mylique. I'm a super huge fan of your work. Um, and then I may leave it right there. And typically by the third time, they have remembered me. And now there's a little bit like there's some warmth in the connection. And maybe we can talk about trading information. And so I think sometimes you have to realize that just because you want to connect with someone doesn't mean that they're going to want to connect with you. And it's okay to take some time to gauge that interest because 
connecting with someone who is has no interest with you and is never going to get back to you and isn't going to advance anything about you it's a waste of everybody's time yours specifically so I think sometimes we make we have this list of people in our head that we feel like we want to know and knowing them may not have any value to us at all so I think that um, try to warm up your contacts as much as possible. Something else that if I just can't get in a room with someone or I can't make this happen, I will find out someone that I have a really good relationship with that knows that person. Um, and so that's essentially, um, how Carlene, who's been on the podcast, how she got in touch with me. She, um, knew one of my really good friends. And so my really good friend reached out to me and was like, Hey, Carlene's going to be in town. She wanted me to connect with you mind. And, and so she came through a highly trusted source. Right. And so you have to, you know, try to connect with somebody through like their very close friend. Um, and if not, it's just like, it's okay if you don't know everybody, you don't need to know everybody to get ahead. And I think that that's what people don't understand is that, you know, being in the presence of someone great, or even being friends with someone great, or even knowing someone great is not going to make you great. So you got to stay focused, focused on um, you getting ahead. Like, it's, networking is a way to it's one of the many ways to get ahead but most of the work is going to be done by you so networking is let's just say 10 to 20 percent of it the rest of the work is on you like these people are not going to boost you um, especially if you're not ready you know so you just want to make sure that you're ready and you have something to offer these connections as well so the final one was a was a tricky one for me but I said you know what I'll try to answer it um, I had someone write me saying, my leak, I just found out I failed the bar exam by one point and I am devastated. The state I took the exam in does not allow appeals, but I can pay an additional $50 and request my Scantron be graded by hand, which I plan to do right now. Four hours after receiving this terrible news, I feel as though all of my hard work, 10 weeks of intense studying and time has gone down the drain. Financially, things are a mess. The study materials cost $2,500. The exam was $600. Also, all of my things are in storage and I live at home with my dad. In 2014, I quit my corporate job to enroll in law school. I planned a year ahead after taking the LSAT and I performed okay. I was not a straight A student in law school. Had pretty good interns and studied hard for the bar exam. Now I'm 31 years old, living at home with my dad. In the two months I've had to wait for my scores, I managed to get interviews with two organizations that I really wanted to work for. But now that I will not be licensed until next year, I'm sure they'll select candidates who pass the bar exam today. I feel hopeless and regretful. And as if my career is on hold until I pass this exam, what would you do in this situation? What if I never pass? Am I not sure um, what I should do better? This time around, I am not sure what I should do better this time around. Maybe I should add an extra month of studying and maybe purchase additional study materials. Um, so that was the question you asked what I would do. Uh, I wouldn't go to law school, but let's just say I did. First of all, congratulations to you. You did something this year that many human beings didn't have the guts to do. Um, many of those human beings, me, including myself. You quit your corporate job, you put your stuff in storage, you moved in with your dad, and you went to law school to pursue your dreams. That's huge. Um, things didn't go as you expected this time around. You're one point from passing the test. 
Now, something that stuck out to me, and you said this, not me, you said I performed okay in law school. And so sometimes if I'm being like super blunt and direct with my friends, I'm like, if we think about it, okay, performance yields okay results. Um, All is not lost though. And there's definitely a lesson in this. You can decide to take it again. Or as my dad would always say when I would come to him in situations like this, you can decide to get creative. So when you sent me your question, I was like, the first thing that I always like to do is like, let me see how many famous people or people who have become successful failed the bar. And as I started doing my research, I realized that like failing the bar is almost like a rite of passage. So many people fail the bar. So Hillary Clinton failed the DC bar exam, um, but she passed the Arkansas one. Um, Michelle Obama failed the bar exam on her first attempt. Um, I'm from California, so Mayor Antonio Villaraigosa, he failed the California bar exam four times before finally calling it quits. Um, and so I always like to see that because I think sometimes when we are in the midst of failure, we feel like so isolated and so alone. But I always say that there's really no hero story um, without like you. There's some hurdle you've got to get over. There's some testimony you have to tell. You know, it's like your story. It would have been awesome if you could have just been like, you know, I sold my I put myself in storage. I moved with my dad. I went to law school, passed the bar, became a lawyer. But that's not that's not your hero story. Your story is going to be a little bit more detailed and it's going to be something that you're going to be able to share with somebody like you. So, um, I said, you can find out what you need to do better the next time, which you said, you know, figure out who you can talk to. Um, do you know, did you, did you go to school with anyone who actually passed it? Maybe you can have some coffee meetings with people who you went to school with, who passed it to see maybe what they did. I mean, it's one point. I mean, I feel like that's just such a simple tweak, uh, that we're talking about. It's not like you totally bombed it. It's almost like, I always feel like one point is potentially just like a glitch. Um, also wanting you to keep in mind that the bar exam is not a measure of intelligence, right? It is a prime, it is a test that measures the test takers ability to memorize and regurgitate general principles of law and right using logic, reason, and the rules of the law to support your argument. So this doesn't mean that you aren't intelligent or you aren't smart. It's, it's someone's ability to memorize and regurgitate general principles, something that I am not very good at, which is why I probably, like I said, wouldn't do law school. So I feel like there's some studying that needs to be done and like some memory, um, some memory skills. I don't know what part of it you may have gotten at one point lost, but, um, this is me just giving you a wild guess at what I would do. I would get a tutor. Um, if you're going to take it again or enroll in some smaller classes with a coach. Um, I said, but the main thing I want you to do is get rid of the defeatist thinking or comprise a plan. What if I never pass? Um, okay. You said it. Well, what are you going to do if you never pass? It's time to start thinking about that too, because though daunting, it is a possibility. Will you take it in another state? Will you use the law degree for something else? Um, this, what you have been through has absolutely happened before. Um, you aren't the first, you won't be the last, but now it's just time to cover all bases and get really creative. Um, your career, you were saying that I feel like my career is on hold and it's like, it's, 
it depends on how you want to do it. Um, I don't want you to feel hopeless. And it's been a while since you wrote me, so I'm hoping that you feel better now. But I just think that now is an opportunity for you to get a little bit more creative about what it is that you want to do. And and life sort of happens that way, right? When we put all our eggs in one basket, that is the the downside of actually doing something like that is that we have the chance of something not working out. So we should be prepared to cover all of our bases. What happens if I don't pass it? You know, um, what is a plan? Do some research research and find out. Because I know I dated an attorney. It's like, you know, what's another state that maybe you can take it in that maybe is if you only missed it by one point, like what may not be as difficult, um, you know, like Hillary Clinton, she couldn't pass the DC bar, but she went on down to Arkansas and made it happen. So it's like, let's think about that. Um, but I'm confident, I'm hoping that you're going to write me and tell me that there was a glitch and, and the one point, um, the one point was a mistake and you actually did pass. And if not, I'm hopeful that you you can pass if you attempt to take it again. And if you don't, I'm certain that at 31 years old, you are still very, very young in your career, that you there's all types of opportunities to pivot. Like going to law school was not a loss. Like you still, um, you still are going to have more advantages um, to do whatever it is that you want to do. So good luck. Keep me posted. Um, thank you guys. That is, that are, that is all the questions that I have. And I look forward to talking to you soon.